Welcome to the Crowdmakers, inside the C-suite of sports and entertainment, the definitive podcast on the inner workings of the business side of professional sports, concerts, and live events. These are the people that are shaping the new landscape of the industry, the executives that are creating the new paradigm for live entertainment. These are the inside conversations you won't hear anywhere else. These are the Crowdmakers. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the digital training network that uses micro-learning and spaced repetition to form new habits of success in sales, service, leadership, and more. Created by sports and entertainment industry experts for the industry. Learn more at ISBI360.com. And now, here's your host for the Crowdmakers, Bill Gertine. Welcome to the Crowdmakers. Once again, my name is Bill Gertine, and we are graced with the presence of Brian Butcherelli. He is the Managing Director of Entertainment Sales and Partnerships within Hershey Entertainment and Resorts. We're so grateful to have you here. Thanks for being here, Brian. Thanks for having me. So, pandemic, everybody's talking about it. What have you been doing during this time to better yourself? Is there a book on your nightstand, some routine you've started, something you're grateful for? What's going on in your world? Um, I have a list of books that I'm trying to get through and it, it, uh, if you would think from this standpoint, most people, the pandemic helped them to read, not me. I think when, especially when it first started, I was, I was at home and, um, I, you know, you'd have these great aspirations of getting up and reading. And before you know it, I actually, I actually found myself more productive from a work standpoint, being at home than I was, than I sometimes come into the office. So I was actually busier. Uh, from the home office, I felt, uh, than I was from the work office. But I do have a list of books. I, I keep up, you know, the, the, the sports business journals obviously are huge in, in, our, in, in our industry and what we do. I have a, well, being away from the office for three months, there's a stack of them sitting over there. They kept, the mail kept coming. So there's a stack of them sitting over there, but I'm starting to get through those. Uh, we have a local um, central Pennsylvania business journal, which is the latest on business around this area that I, I keep up with weekly daily just to see what's the, what's going on. And, um, but yeah, yeah, I do have books I would like to get to Bill. Hershey entertainment and resorts. It is yeah. an enormous portfolio. And really there are two main entities. You've got the entertainment group, which includes the theme park, the children's wildlife park. You've got a 7,000 seat multi-use arena, a 15,000 seat soccer and football stadium that holds up to 30,000 when you have concerts in there. Mm -hmm. You have an 8,000 seat outdoor music pavilion, a 2,000 seat indoor theater for Broadway style shows and dance stuff. And then you have the Giant Center, which is the 10,000 plus seat arena that you operate. Of course, that's the home ice for the Hershey Bears, which is your AAA hockey team. And now that's just the entertainment group. And then you also have responsibilities for sales and partnerships with the Hershey Resorts Group. And that's the Hotel Hershey, which is an official historical landmark dating back nearly 100 years. You have the Hershey Lodge, Hershey Country Club, a camping resort, several restaurants and retail stores, probably a chocolate factory in there. Who knows? With all the concerts and sports and hospitality exposure, take us through what it's been like for you to run this sales and partnership entity over the past several months. Well, we've gone from a uh, truly a prospecting your typical sales 101 daily routine to really how do we hold on to and take care of our existing clients? Because, you know, we, we've gone you have our sponsorship clients, you have our group sales clients, you have our season ticket clients. You know, the bear season was postponed six games short. Um, uh, so that, that affected everything. Uh, Hershey Park, uh, we 
got a late start on that and that affected our one of the things I oversee there is the Hershey Park group sales effort so that that affected that but we really went into a kind of a uh, almost you know you know renewal mode what what am I what decisions am I going to make now that's going to affect those partnerships long term and they better be good decisions because you don't want to squabble over a nine ten thousand dollar credit with somebody that could affect the $100,000 deal later. So we, we've been in a very cautious, uh, what can we do? How do we make this work? How do we get you back mode? Uh, and now since um, the park is now up and running, limited capacity because of Pennsylvania laws and we're very you know careful what we're doing there. But um, now we're just starting to get into, okay, let's start strategizing, if that's a word, uh, uh, strategizing for 21. And, and what are we gonna do now? Um, with our renewal business and then how, how do we get new business? So there's so many different situations that you've had to be in, just like you mentioned there with a credit and how do we apply that? It almost seems like such minutia for every single account. How do you treat that? Bring me through how the process works with your people. Do you all get together to talk about it? Do you give autonomy to an individual to make that decision? How does it work? We had, we had thousands of hours of meetings prior to well the, uh, i'm gonna separate the park from the sports side of things so the park we knew what was going to happen with that pretty early and we knew that we weren't going to open on time so we had we had meetings with that deciding okay here's what we're going to do with current group business here's what we're going to do with nonprofit business uh those who have signed up we can either you know try to hold on to their money move them later in the year at this time not really knowing when the park was officially going to open and maybe those who you know there's, there's those who don't feel comfortable this year trying to move them the next year. So getting people to sign next year from a hockey side of things, they weren't making a decision on the season right away, but we had thousands of hours of meetings to, to decide if indeed it happens. And we for pretty sure we, we can't survive like the NHL with no fans in the stands. The AHL needs sponsorships and ticket revenue and food and beverage revenue to survive. We don't have TV money. So uh, we knew it was going to be canceled. It's a matter of when. So we, we just, um, uh, and on top of these things, uh, we had had some people that were furloughed because of the impact on our business. So all the responsibility then fell on less people, <laughs> which is, hey, that's, you know, that's, that's minor league sports anyway. And I'm, I, I'm, sure the, I'm sure the major leagues had the same issue. I know people that have been furloughed there as well. So I shouldn't say that. But uh, so we had a plan in place. I mean, we just had a plan in place that we were going to send mass, a mass email out to folks. Different sponsors got different one than groups got different one than season tickets got a different one. And then we just had uh, – you know, the, in, the in-mail boxes were flood, they're flooded, the, the, the phones were flooded, and we just handled each one from there. But it is, you're right, it is each individual account is different. So, you know, we had some season ticket holders who just wanted to roll over their money to next year's renewal. We had some wanted refunds. They weren't sure what was going to happen next year. So it was, a, everybody was different. It's astonishing how many hospitality type businesses you're in with hotels, with sporting mm -hmm. events, with arenas, with auditoriums, so many different kinds of things. You had to have a staff that could handle the direction you've given them. What is the chain of command like and how different has it been the last few months? It's been, uh, there's, there's kind of been more layers just because of, you know, at this point, you know, as a company, when you're, you know, our first of our cash cow, the company is an amusement park and when that shut down, um, you know, that's shut down, which means there's no people staying at the resorts. There's, you know, we were, at one point we were shelter in place, so the places couldn't even be open. Um, so it was, you know, you try to hold on as much money as you can. So the chain of command was, was a bit uh, deeper, um, as it should have been. You know, listen, we went, this, this group wants a refund. What are our thoughts on that? So it was, 
uh, decision-making was a little bit slower, but uh, understandably why. Uh, now it's loosened up a bit and, and we're, you know, we're, I have a boss that I obviously report to and, and we're, we have good communication and basically decisions are made quickly on how we want to handle things. So many decisions needed to be made so quickly. What's an example of a mistake that you made early on in the pandemic, perhaps? And what did you learn from it? I think one of the things is we didn't communicate enough. Uh, that was one of the biggest com uh, compl complaints is that people, you know, the lack of communication. And we didn't know what we didn't know, but I, I, we felt afterwards that we could at least put some more information out, even stating that, like, hey, we don't know what's going on yet. Please bear with us. And then even after the fact, it was, you know, when you have a, like two or three people going through 2,500 season ticket accounts. It takes some time to go through that. But I think even, even uh, just constant communication with bear with us, we're doing the best we can. There was, and for the most part, people understood. I mean, people understood, but there's some people wanted answers right away. And you know what? We have their money. I don't, I don't blame them. But, you know, that it was, it's probably the most, and Bill, you've been in business long enough. It's probably, it's just no different than a lot of issues in companies. It's always that communication where, yeah. A lot of people get in trouble. So I just think I felt we could have done more. I th we all felt could maybe more communication earlier. Is there one thing that you did that turned out really right over the past several months that you're really proud of? Um, I think, you know, I think having the plan in place that we had, uh, you know, meeting early enough to know that if when these scenarios happen, here's what we're going to do. And even from a sponsorship standpoint, we had a staff of people that went down through each sponsor to say, okay, here's their credit. Can we do a make good? to hold on to the money? Can we, you know, what do we want to offer them in the uh, credit in the next year? And each of the sponsor had a plan and, you know, made that, that job at that time much easier when, when the time came. You can't do it for, you know, 2,500 season ticket accounts. It's tough to do those. But I just think having the plan in place, and you don't cover everything, as you well know. There's always surprises that come up. But we covered 95% of what we needed to cover. And it was a good plan. Um, and, it, you know, so far it's worked. I know a lot of people were worried about their sponsorship money. How has your sponsor group responded to the suggestions and to the recommendations that they had to keep their money and to do something else with it? They've been fantastic. And, and, you know, and it's not even, it's not even a problem keeping the money. Like there's, we've had a couple that have to have a refund and that's not a problem at all. You know, I, I don't blame them. They missed six games is what we really uh, home games, 14 overall or eight away games, but they're not impacted by those unless they were doing radio. Sorry. Yes. They, some were, um, but most of them have credited to next year, which is great. And we did a few make goods over the summer, did a few social media posts for some people who said that's fine with us. And, uh, but they've been great. I mean, our sponsors, the sponsors have been fantastic. And you know, the, the going through something that we've never been through before, the biggest thing is everybody for the most part understands what's going on. Like it's just unprecedented times. Um, how do you, you know, now all of a sudden, it's funny in our industry, now all of a sudden, every single contract's being written with a pandemic clause in it before, you know, never thought in our lifetime, we'd have to have a pandemic clause. But now, if we're not putting it in, sponsors are asking for it. Okay, if this happens again, here's what we want. And it's just, it's just amazing now that, uh, you know, hopefully it's, you know, that'd be like, you know, putting a Haley's Comet clause in there that every 100 years, you know, <laughs> we better put that in, it happened this year. But hopefully it never happens again. But it's just funny now everybody's reacting to it. Force right. majeure was right. never a household word, but now well, force, you know, force majeure, but really, if you look at it, it doesn't really cover a pandemic, you know, that we all had the force majeure clauses in there, but now they want specific pandemic clauses. So, wow. That's uh, just amazing. 
Well, several of the facilities you have may need to undergo some physical changes to bring people back after this whole thing is done. What are you discussing doing right now without maybe divulging any confidences? Well, no, there's no confidence. I think, you know, we haven't discussed anything in the Giant Center yet. In fact, I think, you know, uh, the good thing about us is we, we already have, you know, we've already, the other parts of our company have already had those plans. The hotels have already opened, so they have to have big messaging and plans. And you know, the park is, is open, so there's social distancing messaging and and wearing masks and all over the place. So it's just going to be a matter when the time comes is how we do that in the giant center. Cause there's concession stands in there. We have them at the park. There's, um, you know, seats and we're, you know, how we, how we do that. We don't know what the capacity things are going to be. Not only it's not only American hockey league, but it's also going to be what our state, uh, state of Pennsylvania says. Sometimes it goes against what, you know, the league's going to say. So we'll have to see, you know, if it is going to be 50% capacity in the giant center, basically it's going to be our season ticket base. So they're going to be the only ones allowed in there if that's what they say. Uh, and then we have to decide during intermission, how do we social distance everybody? It's just, it's, but, but the good thing is we have experience with our other properties that have already been open for a while. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of transferring that into an indoor sports venue. It's really fortunate that you have that background that yeah. you can transfer over. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be back for the second half right after this. Hi, this is Bill Gertine. I've been training the ticket sales departments of sports and entertainment for almost 20 years. And I love what I do. But everywhere I went, the story was always the same. We loved what you did. You got us fired up. But after a while, we kind of lost the spark and we went back to the same old, same old. Well, not anymore. ISBI 360 is the first and only digital training network created exclusively for the specific long-term career needs of sports and entertainment professionals. Our seven different unique certification programs include the fundamentals of success in the industry, like ticket sales, sponsorships, social media, customer service, and leadership, all trained by industry experts like Brett Zelaski, Debbie Nolan, Misha Scher, and Seth Rabinowitz. ISBI 360 uses a unique four-stage learning process, including cutting-edge micro-learning videos, live recorded role plays, live coaching from industry experts, and an ongoing reinforcement program to make sure the learning sticks and forms the habits that your people need to grow and excel faster. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com slash demo. That's isbi360.com slash demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Check out what's different about ISBI 360 today. With all this that's gone on, what do you think this unique situation has given the industry a chance to do that may never come again? Do you see a, maybe a window of opportunity for us to change or improve something during this moment in time? Yeah. And I think one thing is going to be all these cashless systems. I think you're going to see more and more of these, you know, it started coming into our industry from concession areas. Our park started it last year before all this happened. We have it. And that was really, that, that came as a result of staffing, um, you know, having, not having as much staff anymore, having less staff and then having uh, the ability to put these cashless systems where you didn't need the staff. But now imagine, you know, who knows you get a vaccine, but who knows people, still might want to wear masks. They still might not want to have that contact. So I think the more, the more contactless um, uh, touch points we have, so to speak, that's kind of a pun, but uh, I, think, I think you're going to see more and more of that in, in this industry. Um, uh, you know, people said the new norm could be not shaking hands anymore. So you know, who knows what people are doing in the stands. And, and you know, we even talked about, uh, they were talk I just read an article the other day about, um, it, it was kind of titled some of the disgusting habits that our 
the athletes currently have that may have to go away, licking their fingers and high five, you know, all this stuff. So who knows where it's going to go with, but I think the biggest thing is going to be in those, those cashless touchless right. uh, points in concession areas and even ticketing. Sure. Is there something the American hockey league is talking about implementing league wide that you're excited about? I have not heard anything. Um, I'm not on the committee. To the, there's a there's a certain committee that I think our VP of operations, our hockey operations, is on. Uh, like I said, there. I just heard the news uh, right before I came on. Actually, they they're having a meeting at one today, and they're supposed to come out with an announcement. I'm assuming it's going to be about when the season could potentially start. Um, but again, who knows when the sure. time comes? Uh, um, I, I don't think we can start a season without fans. So I don't know how. You know, if they say it's going to start in 2021 or, or are, is the COVID-19 restrictions going to be lifted that much that we can have people in there? Because right now in Pennsylvania, indoors, you can't have anybody, you, know, you can't have more than 250 people. So if that's the case, we're certainly not going to have a hockey season. <laughs> yeah. And, and people may not understand that connection. Many of those who are on the podcast do. But the difference between the NHL and the AHL is the mm -hmm. TV contract, right? At 100%. Yep. Yeah, there's not the fan base that you would have to draw from that. Just like the minor leagues in any sport, you have to rely on the fans to really rely to, to get the cash flowing. Ours is uh, ticket sales, sponsorships, food and beverage, merchandise. That's, that's, where our, that's where our heart and soul, that's where we live off of, not TV money. Yeah, that's crazy. The, uh, as you think about all that's gone on, uh, is there a company or an individual that you think has pivoted very well? And it may not have to be sports. It might be something else. Somebody that you've seen that's done a really good job of adapting to the new normal, if you will. What, what amazes me during all this is just behind the scenes stuff that you have no idea that's going on. Like, you know, for baseball to create all that they created, for the NBA to create this bubble, for the NHL to create these, this two-host city bubble, and, and you think like, and again, I read an article, you talk about my reading. I read an article today about what went into the NHL bubbles and what had to, the mass that had to be provided, the food. I mean, the food, just in the hotels, uh, they have an area, one of the outdoor sports parks has been bubbled off for the players to go out and enjoy outside activity. I mean, just stuff you don't think of, but I think just think all the, and this is not just, you know, I, I should, I don't want to, I don't want to just limit this to sports. This is anybody that's had to go on into the planning, even our company, the planning, but it just amazes me just the behind the scenes stuff that would have to go on at all the, I just use those three major league sports to, to get that going. And like, you have to quarantine hotels throughout. And, and you know, these, especially baseball, like the other, the other ones are in a bubble, but baseball is they're flying around going hotel to hotel, city to city. So, I mean, that, the, the logistics evolved around that is just amazing to me, but right. um, yeah, the, that's just, I think because of the industry I'm in, that that's why I picked those. Just interesting yeah. to see that. Having been at Hershey as long as you have, you've been involved in many careers of people, dozens, maybe even hundreds of people that have gone on. You went to school at Penn State in nearby Happy Valley. Won't say how long ago, but you were there. Uh, you're not too far away from that. What are you telling people today about the sports industry? And, and have people asked you, is this a good time to get in? I haven't, not really now is this a good time to get in, but I always get, you know, how do you get in? And my advice is, you know, I started as an intern, I, I think, and that's probably everybody in this that ever started in sports, uh, you know, unless your family owns the business. But um, uh, I, I think people's interns and you start at the lowest level and you learn and you learn and, and some people gain, some people gain success, you know, jumping around job to job, city to city. And, and they, each job they get to is at a different level, different level, different level. Um, 
I just, I, you know, it's funny on Sports Business Journal, this one forty, the 40 for 40 issue, which again, I don't know when it came out. It could have come out in March for all. I'm just, I'm going through my pile here. So forgive <laughs> me. But there was a kid who was a, a 37 year old. Um, he's now president of one of the NBA teams who started, uh, I think, as an intern. And it's just an amazing story. He's now the youngest NBA president. And, you know, it's just, it's just if, if you really want to in the, get into sports, it's just starting getting a job where you can starting there and working your way up. And, you know, the thing people need, need to learn about sports though, is it's not Monday through Friday, eight to five. And, and I mean, that's the one big thing that, you know, you're, especially in sales, you're Monday through Friday, you could be going out to dinner with the client. You could be doing this with the client and weekends come and there's games and, you know, especially baseball. I mean, they're, they're going six, seven days a week sometimes, but um, I just say, get a job that you can get, learn, ask questions and progress. I just happened to land at this job and, you know, I, I love what I do and I'm able to do it here is, is that's the, I have a passion for what I do and a purpose, which is everything we do is for the Milton Hershey school. So it's, you know, that's, that's the purpose here. Everything we do funds that. So um, I'm just lucky. I'm, I'm very lucky. I always say that I'm very lucky to be able to do what I do here. Tell us more about that because I don't know that everyone's familiar with everything going to the Milton Hershey School. Yeah, so there, we have a there's a Hershey Trust company that really owns. They, there's there's two branches of that as well. Well, there's three branches of that. Four, excuse me. There's the there's us Hershey Entertainment Resorts. There's the Hershey Company, which is the chocolate, which everybody knows. There's the Milton Hershey School, and then there's the Hershey Trust, uh, Hershey Foundation, which has like the museum things like that. So uh, all of our uh, we write a pro, you know, all of our profits go to fund the Milton Hershey School, which is a school for uh, disadvantaged children. It used to be when it was when Milton Hershey and his wife found that it was just strictly male, males, orphaned males that that uh, started there. But now it's disadvantaged children, um, and it goes to fund it because they go to school from kindergarten through twelfth grade for free. They don't pay for a thing that whole time. So everything we do, go, I mean, that's our our core value is to support and provide value to the Milton Hershey School. And same thing with the Hershey company. Now the Hershey company is public, so they do have to answer to some shareholders as well, but uh, we're a private company, but, uh, but their profits go to the Milton Hershey school as well. Cool. How has Hershey responded to the diversity and inclusion issues? Uh, very well. I mean, our company, our company was always on top of that. Um, uh, we have a, we have a diversity and inclusion committee. Um, so they were, uh, well on top of that, um, many initiatives towards that over the last probably four or five years, they've gotten really, uh, not that they weren't involved in it before, but now with everything that happened, obviously in the last few months here, it's, it's top of mind everywhere. So uh, we just had a big Zoom call for the company and they outlined the initiatives that they're gonna be doing moving forward with uh, diversity and inclusion as well. Cool. Have you had a piece of go-to technology that you've discovered during the pandemic? Uh, well, how about Zoom for everybody, right? <laughs> Zoom and, and Google Google Hangouts and Meet, which is our company does that a lot, which is amazing. I mean, you can set up a phone, you know, a call-in number for up to 250 people, I think it is, and or you can click on like 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 this, like the Zoom. But uh, the style, I've just again, geez, Bill, you got me talking about everything I'm reading about now. I just read something. It was actually in Street and Smith as well. The Zoom stock, where that went. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's come down a bit, but where that went because of all this. But yeah, I never, I never heard of Zoom before. To the, I mean, we, we had a Friday night when I was staying at home. We had a, a bunch of our friends got together and threw darts through Zoom. We used to, we used to throw <laughs> darts anyway, but now we because we all we Zoom and put it towards our dartboard down our basement. We were throwing darts. That's how I discovered it. Uh, but yeah, that I mean, that's just been incredible. Yeah, it truly has. 
This is great. So I'm going to fill in, I'm going to give you a phrase and just a question. And I need you to fill in the blanks, just rapid fire one after the other here. You ready? Okay. Favorite binge watching during the pandemic? The office. Something you wish you would have done more of during the lockdown? Uh, can I say eat, eat less rather than more of? Yes, you can. Okay, good. Besides sports, the one thing you miss most about life before March 15th? Uh, socializing. Being out, you know, that type of thing. Favorite non-Pennsylvania sports team? Baltimore Orioles. Uh-huh. Favorite comedian or comedian? Sebastian Maniscalco. If I said his last name right. Did you ever hear him? I have. That's oh, great. Oh, the best. The best. Great, the best. Great choice. Favorite thing about Hershey PA? The story. Cool. Car you would drive if you could drive anything you wanted and price doesn't matter. Ooh, uh, oh, my gosh. I, I'm not a big car person. I drive a Honda Pilot. Uh, uh, Porsche. All right. See, family guy, you could dream big, right? This is yeah, just for radio. Yeah. So uh, finally, one bold prediction that you would have for sports going forward. Uh, I think, um, I think, I think it's going to take more than a year to come back, quite honestly. But I think people are starving right now for their sports. I mean, I watched a hockey game the other day and it's July. Uh, I think sports are going to come back in a big way. Um, I'm anxious to see, to be honest with you, what happens with television. I, I, I've been anxious to see with no fans in the stands, what the ad, what the television stations or companies or whatever you want to call them now charge for 30 second ads, because knowing that the only way you're seeing this is on TV, if they've, if they've raised their prices and now even during a political year, the revenue that must be coming in, that's not answering your question, but I'm sorry that that came oh, in my mind. Sorry. I think, I think sports are going to come back in a big way. I think people are starving for it. And I think uh, we'll get back to t the ticketing industry, the sponsorship industry, premium seating industry. Um, we'll all get back to the levels they were pre COVID. I think it'll take a while. Cause I think some of this is, uh, you know, this, this harkens back to the um, recession. I think you're going to have, I think we're going to get hit. And why I say over years, we're going we're gonna to get hit with two phases here. You're going to hit with the companies who aren't going to be able to do things right away because of the economic impacts of the COVID. And then also not sure, not safe out there to, to send clients, employees. So you're going to hit with both of them. But I think sports will be back. I really do. People That's need great. that. People are going to want to get out. And once a vaccine comes out, they're going to know it's okay. You don't have to wear masks anymore. And they're going to come out in a big way. That's great. So appreciate your time today. Brian Butcherelli, Managing Director of Entertainment Sales and Partnerships at Hershey Entertainment and Resorts. Thank you so much for your time today here on The Crowdmakers. Thank you, Bill. Support for The Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the digital training network that uses micro-learning and spaced repetition to form new habits of success in sales, service, leadership, and more. Created by sports and entertainment industry experts for the industry. Learn more at isbi360.com. This is the C-Suite Radio Network.
We'll be back for the second half after this. We'll be back right after this. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.